0: Patients from all over the world travel to G4 to get their permanent smiles in just 24 hours and change their lives forever. Booking an appointment has never been easier. Simply visit yourteeth.com today and schedule your appointment with G4 by Golpa. Mention this podcast when you book to save $1,000. So what are you waiting for? Get ready to show off your new, confident smile with G4 by Gopa. Visit yourteeth.com today and start your journey to a new, permanent smile in just 24 hours. G4 by Gopa Powered by technology. Inspired by patience.
1: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Cazorra. Always lit. Talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex.
2: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 13, Episode 125. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Cazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here on this Wednesday Steelers Nation. Dave, how are you doing? How's the weather in Vegas? It has been cold and rainy and kind of crappy the last couple of days in Pittsburgh.
3: Yeah, it's been beautiful out here. It's starting to warm up, though, uh, getting into that triple digits here. Uh, oh, already. Uh I think there there was one day, I think it was... Uh, was it this last Sunday or the Sunday? Yeah, I think it was this last Sunday. They said it was going to be, it was triple digits here. So, uh, yeah, it starts warming up by uh, this time of year. So we're uh, uh, starting to come out of uh, what, you know, the shorter spring. And there's a lot more rain this this year during the spring, which this area obviously needs it. You know, probably everybody's read the stories about, you uh, uh, Lake Mead and the low levels and man, they've been p- pulling uh, bodies out of there. Probably been there for 50 years now uh, at this point, they, they, they've discovered quite a few bodies in Lake Lake Mead uh, 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 throughout this process of kind of the, the lower water levels and all, mm. but uh, starting to warm up. Uh, that's a positive way to.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's uh, a good note to uh, get people ready to talk Steelers football.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, other than that, doing well, it is Wednesday and uh, now we're starting to transition from the, uh, the draft process and, and get ready for this team to hit the rookie mini camp, which will, I think, be what, a week from Friday, right?
2: Yeah, it'll be, it's always Mother's Day uh, weekend. So May 12th through the 14th will be the Steelers three day rookie mini camp. So that's the next thing on the Steelers calendar. A um, little less to talk about today, obviously, as we're starting to come off the draft. Here, we we discussed the entire UDFA class. We knew that by by Monday show, correct? I think that was all all announced. Yeah,
3: I think just the seven guys there uh, overall, and you know we've got I think we've got film rooms up on all those guys now, don't we?
2: We do, yeah. We've had every single one. Even found some Merrimack tape, and even because the Merrimack kid was at D three Curry College. Never heard of Curry College before. We have a game of Curry College too. All right. So Good we're work. doing the best we can. And then uh, credit to Joe Clark. He found a great article from. And I still gotta work on the pronunciation here. Is it Niam Wama? I think I'm saying that probably terribly. But he had talked about you know choosing Pittsburgh over a couple other offers from Dallas in the Jets. And the big reason why he chose Pittsburgh for. Presumably less money because Pittsburgh does not hand out a lot in terms of signing bonus was uh, for Carl Dunbar and uh, apparently had a really good relationship with Carl Dunbar or maybe just in the conversation they had kind of towards the end of the draft made made uh, Dunbar made him feel like Pittsburgh was the place to go so uh, good find by Joe and, and that's good insight on. And you kind of get some of these UDFAs to come to Pittsburgh.
3: Yeah, we don't know all of the signing bonuses on those uh, on those seven yet. Uh, There is two being reported, uh, though. And I think uh, one is uh, Tanner Morgan, twenty five thousand. That's a big that's a big signing bonus for the the Steelers and undrafted free agents. And uh, uh, Monty pot of bomb right uh 10,000 right. dollars uh there so the other five uh those guys haven't even hit the official NFL transaction sheet is signed yet so i don't know if that might uh might have to wait on that happening until you know, later on into uh, possibly even next week there. So we might be waiting to find out what the signing bonuses on on, on all those guys are because there's only really been two been reported so far. And once again, neither one of those have hit hit the NFL or the NFL sheet yet or PA sheet
2: yet. Gotcha. So we'll hopefully we'll uh, know those numbers sooner than later. Um, also just a bit of housekeeping here did not impact Pittsburgh really at all. But yesterday was the deadline for the fifth year option, right? For the 2020 class. And obviously Pittsburgh not having a first round pick. That was part of the uh, Mika Fitzpatrick deal. Although it's notable, the first round pick Pittsburgh sent to Miami was used on offensive lineman Austin Jackson, who had his option year predictably. Decline, and so no news there for Pittsburgh obviously but around the AFC North of course Joe Burrow had his picked up Jedrick Wolves the left tackle in Cleveland had his picked up and Patrick Queen from Baltimore had his declined and so you had two pickups one decline a lot of options this year from this class in 2020 were declined so just kind of reminder that you know while everyone's excited about their draft classes right now how things look three four years from now can be totally different.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and you know I think uh, uh, over the years now we we've seen not even a third sometimes of, the, of 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 first rounds in draft classes not get those fifth year options uh, exercised there. So yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to look back at this several years from now and and see how many of these guys uh, uh, wind up being in that same boat. Were you surprised with uh, Chase? Was uh. Washington didn't exercise Chase uh, Young, did they? Or did they? I believe they
2: did not. I believe that they declined the option on him. He's just been hurt so much. They tried Mm -hmm. to get him back last year, and the timeline kept getting pushed back and pushed back. So just given, now that it's a fully guaranteed, I think makes it certainly a different equation for these teams to calculate. So maybe raise an eyebrow on that. But you know, I think given the injuries he's battled, probably the right decision.
3: Right, right.
2: All right, Dave, to get back to Pittsburgh here, piece of news uh, found out yesterday and it kind of explained something we discussed uh, back, uh, I guess, a month or two ago, with Amir Jones, who had been surprisingly released in, I think it was March. And we kind of wondered at the time, why does this guy get released, you know, six weeks after signing his exclusive rights tender? According to Broward County records, he was arrested on a, a battery charge in a domestic violence case on April 11th in the following day released by the Pittsburgh Steelers um and so that's the uh the situation there on Jameer Jones and that explains why he was you know suddenly released in the middle of the off season just after you know signing a contract
3: i think we had said there's more to the story there
2: <laughs> right you know
3: that uh i have a feeling after after several weeks that we'll find out um, more to the story and and unfortunate it it it's unfortunate and but you know that that coming out of the blue the way they did, I, I know at the time several people say, well, uh, they're just, you know, making room for, for, for Bud Dupree. But I think we made it, I think we addressed that too, that that in, in no way was related to, uh, even had they signed Bud Dupree. It's not like they needed to clear, uh, uh, a, a roster spot or cap space or anything related to that. So you knew that there had to be, uh, at that time, more to the story and him just, uh, recently, uh, uh uh signing his exclusive rights tender you know and uh it just it took a little while for it to to seep up through the cracks if you will but it did uh for sure yesterday and now we know as the great paul harvey used
2: mm-hmm. to say you're going there
3: uh and now you know the rest of the story so uh un- once again once again unfortunate situation there and but uh now it all adds up
2: Right. So it makes sense there. And yeah, we had wondered at the time, as you mentioned, you know, is there something off the field? You're always, you know, you want to be careful speculating about those things when you don't know. But of course, now we know. And so that makes right. a lot of sense there. And if Jameer Jones ever gets back into the NFL, he, of course, could be facing a pretty heavy suspension from the NFL, but he will not be returning into Pittsburgh. So. Uh, We'll move on here, and again, a little bit of a lighter show today, nothing else pressing or urgent to really discuss. Dave, this team has 87 on its roster right now, which of course means there are three spots still open on that 90-man roster. If you had to still pick maybe one or two or even three holes on this roster that you would like to fill with those final three spots, if you had your wish of it, what would you change? What would you add to try to round out the rest of this roster?
3: Uh, yeah, I, if I had my druthers here for, for with someone with some experience, I guess, uh, that, that might have a shot at potentially – Making the roster, uh, I I think we both probably start with a slot cornerback. And yes, uh, I I do know that they they signed Chandon Sullivan uh, over the weekend there, so that's 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 one potential option. But uh, I'd like to have a another one there. And you know, obviously, we don't know the Steelers' plans. Is it to, is it to potentially you know give Patrick Peterson you know some slot? time uh, you know that's that's plausible especially the way the way Mike Tomlin talked to the coach uh, at the at the uh, owners meetings and all like that and you know a- asking him to move around and that kind of thing there but uh uh i would say it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see another experienced slot cornerback that can cover come in uh who let's see another position i wrote about this yesterday uh you look at you look at the center center depth chart overall right now, you obviously have Mason Cole, but, uh, from there, you know, Ryan McCollum, I guess you could say is on the depth chart. I guess you could still consider Kendrick green, a depth centerpiece, even though, uh, he, he mostly worked what last off season as a guard and, and obviously didn't play any snaps at all during the regular season. Uh, who else could you, could you uh, add to that? Uh,
2: Spencer Anderson, the draft yeah, pick in the yeah.
3: mix. But I, I tell you about the, the quick thing about him. I <laughs> went back and looked at a little bit of senior bowl. I mean, uh, shrine Bowl stuff there. You know, they gave him snaps, uh, some, uh, some uh, practice reps at uh, at right tackle. And he's, you know, those feet weren't bad. Now, the arm length is going to ding him when it comes to that. But uh, there were some pretty decent uh, snaps at at right tackle during the shrine bowl there. So, uh, but once again, you got a guy that's, uh, experienced at all those positions don't know specifically, uh, I mean, he, he, he did test very, very well from an athletic standpoint. So it could be one of those, Hey, we wanted a multi, we wanted a guy, uh, that, 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 you know, fits all the athletic scores that we look for uh, that that's played multiple positions and we'll figure it out as we go. But, uh, he right. did, he did play, I think, what did I, what I say? Nearly 400 snaps, uh, at center at Maryland there. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe he can be considered, you know, an option, uh, as a center depth piece, uh, overall and, um uh, who else, uh, downing the, uh, the undrafted free agent, I think, coming out of what was it iowa state mm-hmm. now he played kind of all over the place as well too i don't think he started more than a dozen or 13 games at center overall but you go ahead and throw him into that uh, uh equation as well too and yes i know uh uh, uh nate herbig and um uh, james daniel uh, or even uh, yes oh, I well, I guess I, all of them yeah yeah all of them really uh, uh, uh of of that in some of that interior bunch there have had long, log some center snaps along the way there, but I don't really, I, I consider those guys more break glass of a, in case of emergency. I guess some people would argue that maybe Nate, Nate would be the best, you know, option to maybe look forward into that role. But I, I guess what I'm getting with all this is you got a lot of question, question marks there uh, behind Uh, Mason Cole is a starter there. So I guess if I had my druthers, you know, you look at this, maybe what happens here on the waiver wire next couple of weeks. Uh, I know uh, who is the guy, the former uh, Baltimore Raven that I put in my article there. Uh, Matt Scurra. Yeah, Scurra has some, he's still out there, but he's another one. He's the, I think the last year and a half or two, two seasons, he's mainly played guard at the NFL level. So. You know, uh, it's been since I think uh, he, he actually when he was with the Ravens that he last played a lot of serious snaps at at, at center there. So you this team could use another experienced uh, center uh, to look at, I think.
2: Sure, I'm with you. I mean, there are some options that you just rattle off, but a lot of unknown guys, inexperienced guys, and guys that aren't quite best fit. So a J.C. Haasenauer type to bring back to your roster, losing Haasenauer to the Giants, would make a lot of sense. So I'm with you there. Slot corner, I think, is certainly the biggest hole on this roster. I don't know if you can really fill it with anything that's out there. You just did that with Chand and Sullivan. But just looking at what will this team eventually need or positions that feel weak right now, uh, the pass-down slot corner, they could certainly top a a list. Obviously, adding some more tackles to round out your your, your roster um, with four, or maybe they consider Anderson a tackle at this point, and you can stretch it to five. I'm not quite sure, but at the least, they're going to need Um, one more tackle minimum, and then, you know, could you look at more edge depth, inside linebacker depth, strong safety depth? You know, those are things that are probably lower on the list of needs and priorities, but there are still things that I feel not totally comfortable with heading into the offseason here.
3: Right, and, you know, they'll obviously sew up uh, and have a full 90-man roster spot or or completed here uh, very soon, but uh, there are a couple positions to play with right now.
2: Yeah, and I do want to mention here the tryout list because we knew about all the UDFAs by by Monday's podcast Did not know most of the tryout guys. We talked about Hunter Johnson, the quarterback, former five-star rec- recruit from Clemson to North- Northwestern who went back to Clemson. We know some other names that are going to be in Rookie minicamp for Pittsburgh and Toa uh, Tawa from Nevada, Dwayne Menders, local kid from Duquesne, Tyler Tate. A defensive lineman, maybe an edge guy from Millersville, local kid Adam Corsick, a punter from Rutgers, another local kid, in Tyler Wiltz, um, who's kind of a hybrid linebacker/safety type uh, from University of Pittsburgh. So we know those names so far. I see some people, you know, say, oh, they're bringing in some of these guys for competition. It's generally not about that. It's about rounding out your roster. You need a punter so returners can catch. You need a quarterback so you have receivers who can catch the football. You know, there's kind of some. Box checking happening there, but typically there's one or two guys to catch a contract at a rookie minicamp. So you get you get these guys in the Pittsburgh two weeks from now, you see how they do and and go from there.
3: Yeah, I think last couple of years, a couple of uh, signings have come out of that, haven't there? Uh
2: Yeah, I believe so. I have to go back and check the history. But I think one year there were like three guys that ended up signing. And I don't know if that's because of injury from other guys that were on the roster or guys just really impressing. But, yeah, I would say typically, you know, usually you get one, at least one guy. Not always, but but usually one tryout guy. And obviously there's been some, you know, relatively no names in the past. Doug Hodges, a tryout guy. Terrence Garvin, a tryout guy. So, uh, you know, obviously the numbers say most of these guys will never be heard from again. But one or two might stick around.
1: Find what you love.
3: Right.
2: All right. So that is the tryout list. Also, one other piece of news here. Pittsburgh has kind of taken their time in both uh, uh, unveiling the Mike Tomlin draft pick calls, which I really love to to watch and listen to. So I want to hear those. Um, Also, a little bit late on getting the jersey numbers out for the rookie class. We know that Broderick Jones will wear number 77. Also, we know that Joey Porter Jr. is going to wear number 24. And we know that courtesy of Mike Taylor, who was on Dave uh, Damashek's podcast uh, yesterday and revealed the Porter will wear 2-4 in honor of Ike Taylor. And so that is the news. They've not been officially announced by the team, but Ike Taylor spilling the beans early. So that is going to be the number on Porter, 24.
3: Yeah, and just as uh, we say that, looks like on <laughs> uh, the media side here, uh, uh, some numbers of these draft picks are, 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 are coming in here. Joey Porter, as you mentioned, 24. Corey Trice junior 27 Spencer Anderson 74. We already knew the Broderick Jones 77 Keanu Benton 95. He'll look great. Great. That 95, mm-hmm. I think Darnell Washington 80. So no, no zero there. And a very interesting uh, number here for Nick Herbig 51. Uh is that is that a is that a what does it mean
2: <laughs> oh my god
3: <laughs> what does it mean ah uh, but uh those now look these aren't aren't officially official official but when they show up in uh 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 in the back end like this Norm, and and all these match up so far. Obviously, Joey with the 24, and and Broderick Jones with the 77. And I think if you look at the other open numbers uh, that they have, all all these match up. So I, I would expect these to be announced uh, by the team later today.
2: I believe the kids say that's called speaking it into existence. The literal second that I said about the nu- the numbers that they, they come in there. So, um, I'll, I'll let me speak, uh, I don't know, a Ferrari into existence or something like that. But yeah, uh, new new 24, new number 77. I love 95 for Benton. Gotta let Washington wear zero. Yeah. You know, I don't think Rooney is, is playing ball there. Um, but okay, we'll live with that. And yeah, Herbig 51 doesn't seem like the, the ideal edge rush, edge rusher number, but okay that, that right. it, it, that's fine
3: we'll see a little bit of, right. a little bit of something interesting for fans to talk about today
2: yeah people love jersey numbers and i kind of like them too just uh you know I don't know. It, it's fun to discuss a little lighthearted discussion on twitter but if you want to get your your jersey numbers uh maybe you should still hold off i guess to buy a jersey because oh, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah i would wait especially I mean, I think with guys like Porter and and and, and Broderick Jones, obviously, uh, I think you could go out and buy those jerseys right now. That's that that that's what you like to do there. But uh, uh, other things have happened before when it comes to you know switching around you know, right before the season starts. You know, I, I would just use caution if you're going to. I would wait till they officially become uh for sale on like steers dot or, or or fanatics or or nfl shop or something along those lines you
2: know? right for those wanting to get their Spencer Anderson jersey you may want to hold off a right. couple of couple of weeks. Um do you think Porter wearing twenty four? My first my first thought was okay that's cool to honor Ike. My second thought was oh no Benny Snell is not coming back. Do you think Snell's time in Pittsburgh's done now that Porter's taking his number?
3: Well it, it, it goes back to the 44 that they gave uh uh, who's the Tanner yeah, t- Tanner Muse. What does that mean for for uh for Derek Watt? Now, look, they they are going to have duplications in numbers, right? Uh, right. once once you get into camp, you and, and and that the way the duplication numbers system works is one person on the offensive side of the ball uh uh can ha- can have a, a version of that number, and one player on the defensive side of uh, football can have that that number. However, comma. You know, when you're looking at, at at two guys that have been on the roster for a little while, I mean, I, I wouldn't take it to the bank, but it, it, it's it's not great. Now, you know, could look? There's only so many numbers to go around, and and position groups and all like that. So, could Benny Snell still get re-signed back and, and be issued 24 until, you know? the final cutdown day where everybody's got to figure things out i mean at at this point uh porter obviously being a draft pick and porter uh obviously uh you you want to get a jump on selling that gear if you're the NFL mm-hmm. i would i would like to think that 24 now belongs to porter uh, you know at, at this point here so if Benny Snell did come back and somehow wound up making the team Hey, He might be in line for a number switch, but I, I don't know all the politics and official rules and stuff related to that, but uh, not great, Bob.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed today.
3: Uh, right. And, and probably the same with Derek Watt too, at this point here, Uh never say never, I guess, uh, don't speak in absolutes, but not looking great for either one of those two, 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 two guys right now. I'll tell you what, you look at that, some of that Monty uh, uh, uh tape though, kind of has a feel of a younger Derek Watt <laughs> to, to, to be quite honest with you there. So uh we'll have to see how, how this all plays out, but I, I would say, at this point of the offseason right now, it's not looking great for Snell and and, and and Watt to come back, even on you know, veteran minimum minimum deals.
2: We don't know what the undrafted class, what jerseys they're gonna be wearing, but Potterbaum should get something in the 70s. Like that's what it feels like for him. He feels like a lineman. He's uh his tape's pretty fun to watch.
3: It really is fun to watch for sure. Gonna be interesting to watch the competition play out there and see if he can, you know, look, he, he if he's going to have a shot at making a roster too, if it, you know, he's going to have to be a good special teams player, which I would imagine. I haven't looked at that, that, that phase of his game or anything, but I would imagine somebody with that mentality, uh, uh, wouldn't be bad in that area.
2: He was a linebacker before becoming a fullback. So I think he's got the hitting mentality down just fine. So, you know, Rosie Nix made the team that one year with uh, what did Pittsburgh carry two fullbacks that year it was uh, Will Johnson and Rosie Nix. So, you know, it's not likely right now, but you can't rule anything out. And of course, the practice squad is always a possibility. All right, Dave, the uh, first draft and really first kind of full off season essentially is in the books for Omar Khan from just a draft standpoint. You know, how would you evaluate Khan? Obviously, not not just in terms of picks, but in process, you know, what kind of what kind of grade, if you could put on Omar Khan and kind of how he did throughout the whole the whole draft process from, you know, pro days and combine and all that to, of course, the actual uh, picks on draft weekend, just your thoughts overall and on kind of what seems the same under Omar Khan compared to Kevin Colbert versus what may be different. You know, Khan saying it it was about 85 percent the same. What is that maybe fifteen percent difference you're seeing within Omar Khan?
3: Oh, let's see. Uh well look, I mean, first and foremost, yeah. I mean, you gotta respect the fact that he that that he traded up to 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 get a position in need and the last of a uh, the top of the position group there at tackle to start off with. Now we have seen Kevin Colbert uh trade up, you know, uh uh especially in the first round uh fairly recently. So I mean I, I wouldn't call that a glaring difference, but the fact that it was was for a tackle a position that and in, 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 you know I'm still in your thunder here in 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 your post this morning here. Uh, Colbert never drafted a tackle in the first round during his entire regime, going back to to, to 2000. So that was obviously something different. I my, my takeaway overall, though, to be be quite honest with you, and I don't have deep analysis on this. Is the fact that, and, and we wondered what the pre-draft process would look like under under Con uh, now versus Colbert, and how much that would change up our thinking moving forward into to, to pre-draft processes. I mean, there's there's not a lot really overall to discuss, you know. I, I you did hit on you know bringing in you know, uh, but it's not like it has hadn't happened before where first round picks had been through the door for pre-draft visits. Maybe we need to uh, closely examine that related to underclassmen, right? That's a good uh, point. Uh you know how does pre-draft visitors that wound up being or how yeah how do first round draft picks uh overall related to not being underclassmen and being underclassmen? How does that fall out there? Because, you know, you probably, you obviously know less about, especially coming out of the COVID COVID years and all, you know, you know less about some of these guys personally uh, overall than you do, you know, the seniors and stuff like that. So may, maybe that's something to look, look at in, in that phase of it. But as far as the, uh The pro day tours and, you know, now I think the visitor list overall, the pre-draft visitors might have been more related this year to the possibility of there being more, you know, they didn't have a fifth or sixth round pick at, you know, at, 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 at the time. Uh, and then within that, we heard of all the talk about maybe them potentially trading down from 32 and picking up some more, you know, uh, or, 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 you know, picking up some extra, you know, hopefully third, fourth, maybe fifth round. The names, I guess, overall in that pre-draft visitor list, there were a lot fewer guys that you maybe consider late round guys, a lot, a, a lot fewer. That'll be something to look at maybe moving forward if they get, go into a draft with a more balanced uh, uh, selection list from, from, from round one to round seven overall. But I mean, overall, I mean, did the, the, the changes are, were kind of, you know, very few and far between and I, and I don't think you can rubber stamp them, you know?
2: Sure. It is just one class. And so it's a small sample size we're working with. And obviously there could be changes behind the scenes that we can't see as visibly in terms of the scouting report process and valuing analytics and, and those types of things, how they collaborate. You know, there, there could be some potential changes there that we're just not able to, to know. I think, as you said, it's hard to know in terms of the pre-draft visitor list, which was heavily concentrated towards first, second round, you know, early day two type of picks is that because the model has changed or is that because, you know, Pittsburgh had four picks in the top 80 this year and did not have a fifth or sixth round pick entering the draft. And so, you you know, why bother to look at some of those day three guys knowing you're almost certainly not going to be able to get one of those guys based on the current slate of picks that you have. So, you know, it's still, I, I'm leaning towards more. It was a product of just where Pittsburgh was picking, but we're going to need to use next year to be able to further evaluate that. But Yeah, I would say, you know, some of the differences, you know, having Broderick Jones and first round guys come in for visits um, since 2010. That's how far back you've been tracking the pre draft visitor list. Only four first round picks eventually came in for visits. And one of them was Kenny Pickett, which was a local visit last year, did not count against their 30. And before that, the last one was, um, I think, Ryan Jazier in 2014. And so you had a long stretch there. Now there were no there were no visitors in 2020 and 2021 due to covid so you throw those out but even still 2015 through 2019 Tomlin and Colbert would always go and see the first round pick as opposed to those guys coming in for a visit this year they went and saw Broderick Jones and he came in for a visit so you know is that is that going to be a change going forward i have a feeling it might in terms of the position as you said first time drafting a tackle since 96 Colbert never did it it was the only position Colbert had never drafted in the first round outside of the silly ones like fullback and punter and kicker and long snapper. So that was the last last position to get in terms of first round selection. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. And then just the new scouting staff. You know, there were a lot of you know different guys in the front office. And and, and the last note is what well, I think I made a mention this on on Monday's podcast. Trading down, Kevin Colbert almost never traded down five times his intent his entire. Steelers tenure. So to move down there from 80 to 93 is not something you typically see in a Pittsburgh Steelers draft.
3: Here's the other thing related to tackle in the first round and and I guess really cornerback in the first round as well too, that, that needs further examination, at least going back to 2000. What was the average first round, the original spot in the first round you know, before any trades or anything that, that the Steelers had going into a first round. Because if you're, if you're picking in the bottom, you know, third to quarter of the first round on average over all those years, what are the odds that you're going to get a... And obviously, you'd have to go back and look at each tackle class and all like that. I mean, the Steelers obviously like value, positional value as well, too. I guess what I'm getting at is how many of those years without trading up would they have been able to, to get a, one of the first three tackles
2: off the board per se? Sure. And that's a good point. It is harder to get that blue chip left tackle when you're picking at 26, you know, it's hard to get that guy, but you know, you'd have to look at, you know, Anton Harrison went 26th overall this year, not a top end tackle, but still a tackle nonetheless. So you'd have to go through each trap class and, and kind of see, but I think that is, you know, I don't think, Kevin Colbridge And, and same not- with
3: cornerback, too, because normally you have three, you know, probably on average the top three cornerbacks come off of a board before before pick 20. In that, in that fair, and I'm not looking at any numbers. I'm just throwing that out there, spitballing it. Yeah, that but, seems fair. But wouldn't you say on average, and, and same with the tackles, that three of each on average probably come off the board before pick 20 if you'd go back over, you know. Uh, all the way back to
2: two 2000. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that that sounds reasonable and fair and probably true if you actually dug into the data. So I, I don't think Kevin Cobert didn't not take a tackle because he was anti tackle in the first round. It right. just probably was how things kind of fell. And plus, you know, they had a second round pick, a high second round pick in his first class in Marvell Smith. They found gems in Kelvin Beecham, Alejandro Villanueva. So for times, long stretches, they had, you know, solid left tackles. They did not have to go draft somebody early because they had their... Start starter established. So there's a bunch of reasons for it, but still interesting to note that first time it's happened in you know, almost 30 years, which is always interesting to note.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, at least now had- that at least we can't say it, it it's been since X year. Same with cornerback uh, uh several years ago with with with, with Artie Burns.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, The kind of the tendencies have been broken. How about trading down? I mean, again, I I think Kevin Colbert would have made the same calculation Omar Khan did sitting there and saying we have to pick 80. We don't pick again until 241. We have to trade down and get something to bridge that to some degree. But I mean, Kevin Colbert was the guy who did not like to trade down. He wanted to either go up or stay. And I think you're going to start seeing some of that flexibility under Omar Khan and Andy Weidel. All right. Do you think why why do you think that was with Clover? I mean, it's hard to speculate, I'm sure, but it seemed like that was something he truly did not like to do.
3: Yeah. And there's so many variables involved in that. Uh, It would be great one day to get him in an interview and and ask questions like that. Is it related to uh, well, we were only going to move, you know, no scenario at the time versus a player that we wanted versus what we thought we could get had we moved down a couple of spots. You know, there's, there's so much involved in that, you know, uh, that you don't know about behind closed doors. Uh, And within all that too, the Steelers do seem like they, they, at least under Colbert, go into, go into drafts with guys that they, that they like on the old index card. Like I uh, like to joke about there and, you know, and be damned where we take them unless somebody blows our socks off and maybe there just wasn't very many instances where they felt comfortable of still getting their guy yet picking up a, 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 a nice selection of draft capital, you know?
2: I think, I think you're right. I think there was a, a hyper conservative. we we'll never nature. be able to
3: answer that question. I have a feeling, you
2: know? Sure. Sure. And again, I I, I don't know if Colbert's thought was I'm never going to trade down or rarely if ever trade down, but I think he just never wanted to be caught with his pants down where You make a trade and all of a sudden the guys that you were going to take go off the board and you're kind of stuck at, you know, five or 10 or 15 picks later, regretting that trade. And so I think that might have been the reason why it rarely happened. I mean, last time this team, this team moved down was 2010. I mean, they've not made a, a trade down in 13 years. So, you know, you talk about some tendency breakers, first tackle since 96, first trade down since 2010. There were some pretty big notable bursts, at least first in a long time. For Pittsburgh's 2023 draft class
3: now look you were you were way ahead of of me to coming around to the the thought of this team could could trade up in the first round and potentially for 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 a tackle by weeks by several weeks but what what when did more of that realization when did you have your epiphany moment
2: that they would trade up
3: that they that that you really thought there was a decent chance of that happening for for a tackle specifically because you
2: mm-hmm.
3: and and you didn't just say for a cornerback or anything you thought if they did go up it, it would be for a tackle,
2: right? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly. I mean, I wrote that art, art, that article in early April saying if Pittsburgh was going to trade up. It would be for a tackle and specifically. But you either. you were talking
3: about it before sure. that, I think.
2: Yeah, just some of the stuff about, you know, hearing Omar Khan being aggressive and, you know, him saying, if we, if there's a guy that we want, we're going to go get this guy. Like some of those comments like that. And I know that most GMs say that no GM says we're going to be conservative and let somebody take our guy. Like nobody ever says that, but you felt like it was a bit stronger from Omar Khan, your first draft. You want to go get your guy. You have extra draft capital to play with. Those kind of things made me think that this team was more likely to go up than down. And then, you know, I started thinking about it more and this was late in the process, but like. Right after the Rodgers deal got done to see the Jets go back from 13 to 15, you felt like, okay, this team can trade up only a couple spots with New England at 14 and, and and jump the Jets to get a tackle because Pittsburgh knew. I think even Hahn and Tomlin made a comment you know, after making the pick that basically saying the Jets were going to take Jones at 15 had Pittsburgh not moved up. And so they knew what the, the calculation was. And so once you saw the Jets move back, that made it less costly for Pittsburgh to go up. Because, heck, if the Jets stayed at 13, you would have had to go to 12, and Houston moved up to 12, right? So how do you get up in the draft at that point? Because Tomlin said they were not going to give up a day-two pick. They were not going to give up a second or a third. A fourth-round pick's not going to get you to 12 or 11 or anything like that. So honestly, had the Jets not made that, had not agreed to the the trade in that fashion for Rodgers, the Steelers did not get Broderick Jones. And we're talking about an entirely different draft class.
3: Boy, that makes my mind hurt there. All right,
2: I just blew uh, your mind there for a second. Because they're, <laughs> they're going to get a corner, unless they're going to take on Anton Harrison, but they probably get they probably take Joey Porter Jr. or Banks at 17, and the whole class is, is different.
3: All right, the Steelers have now, uh, they're probably angry about with me at this point.
2: Uh, then the articles come out. <laughs> and they put it on their website. Can't be mad about that.
3: Yeah, but uh, anyway, they have uh, now made those numbers uh, official overall there. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Look, uh, and we did that quick little exercise, right? It, you know, uh, uh, me explaining in my final mock why why I thought, you know, Broderick Jones might be the pick there by by literally trying to go through each team and looking at the needs versus tackles and thinking that well, maybe maybe there's a chance, Broderick. I I, I felt good about my speculation that Broderick Jones might be the last one of the top one tackles taken. I just, and I, I, I oversold it to myself about the fact that he would actually be there at 17, but he didn't make, you know, I guess long story short, he made it within jumping distance. And I guess that's kind of what the Steelers probably their deeper analyzation of that probably thought maybe there's a chance he could get to this spot, with the right. Patriots and I bet they had already had preliminary talks with uh with the Patriots. Hey, we might we might be thinking about coming up here, you know. Uh sure. so it would be fascinating to just see all that, you know, stuff that we never see related related to the process of, of of talking about trading up, trading down, you know. That that's a piece of the puzzle that we'll never see behind closed doors.
2: Yeah, obviously. We won't unless and Pittsburgh math, never even
3: in and the and the prediction and the mocking and because you got to try to mock this to some degree uh, of predicting, especially in the first. Now, once you get past first round, I mean, that thing fans out so quick. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you probably have great. I mean, you obviously have grades on players, but I mean, we we've seen even in first rounds recently where uh you get the cold strangers in there. Right.
2: Sure. Yeah. The, the back end of first rounds can can often be unpredictable.
3: Right. So anyway, that, that that's that's part. That's why I like these post draft. Uh, I think the Cowboys had one up of of, of trying to figure out bet- between picking between an offensive lineman and Mazzie Smith. They released mm-hmm. that video there. Uh, it'd be nice if the Steelers released a, you know, one or two of those on occasion.
2: Yeah, they never do. And even there's like because Peter King always sits in one war room each year. He sat in the uh, Raiders war room and kind of had a lot of stories about that, which I thought was interesting. Pittsburgh would never. Uh, allow or permit something like that, but yeah, I just I, I, the thoughts kind of hitting me, and I, and I had the the realization, you know, the day after the pick that the Rogers Rogers deal I think really helped open up the opportunity for Pittsburgh to get Broderick Jones and jump the Jets. But if you kind of play this thing out, let's let's just assume the Jets stayed at thirteen as part of the terms of that deal. At twelve, the Texans moved up with Arizona, who then moved up to get Paris Johnson. So the Lions had a twelve. And I don't think the Lions wanted to go down twice because they wanted Gibbs at 12 because they thought New England was going to take Gibbs at 14. So that means Pittsburgh would have had to go up to 11 with the Titans and a fourth-round pick is not going to get you from 17 to 11. So, yeah, I mean, if it had had that not happened, had the Jets not bumped from 13 to 15, I can almost guarantee you Pittsburgh Steelers would not, would not have drafted Broderick Jones. They would have taken a corner at step 17, let's just say it was Deontay Banks or Porter, whoever, and how the rest of that goes. They probably trade out of thirty-two because they don't have Porter sitting there at that point. So yeah, the whole whole class is is entirely different.
3: Yeah, a bunch of hypotheticals there. Hmm.
2: Yeah, but anyway, so Omar Khan's first uh, draft class. Those are some of the differences. I have an article up on Steelers Depot that kind of breaks it down into more detail. Tomorrow, I'll have an article with some of the similarities, things that seem to be the same under Kev or under Omar Khan in the post Kevin Colbert. Uh, well, so that article will go up on Stegall's Depot tomorrow. All right.
1: Ready for summer and want an enjoyable day trip? Head to Fauquier County, Virginia, just off I-66, nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has over 25 local wineries, breweries, hiking trails, and Rappahannock River access. Check out visit Falkir.com for details. Fauquier County,
2: find what you love. All right, Dave, one last thing I wanted to do here, just as a quick review of kind of going back through the seven draft picks, just a, a quick summary analysis of one thing you like about the pick, one thing you don't like about the pick or one concern you may have about the pick for each of the Pittsburgh Steelers selections so starting with Broderick Jones at number 14 one thing you really like about the pick one thing maybe you have a bit of concern about when it comes to Broderick Jones
3: uh love the athleticism with him uh that 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 really sticks out can really get off the ball and 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 get out get out in space so i i would say uh athleticism uh, is one thing I think you, 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 you notice right off the bat with him as far as a positive, as far as a negative, Agreed. uh, you know, sometimes he has a, a, a tendency to lower his head. I think, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and need needs to, and, and, you know, they, they, they can work, 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 work that out of him and work with him on that. I think, but I, I think if, when he does lose sometimes, I, I think you see it's it sometimes it's, it's head related.
2: Yeah, I'm with you basically on both counts. I think the upside, the athleticism, the size and tools all attractive with Broderick Jones. The downside is he, he's maybe not as day one ready as your typical first-round pick you'd like to be, or you can't even feel like, you know, he he may not be the week one starter. I think he's the the favorite right now being that 14th overall pick, but I think Dan Moore is going to give him a good battle being a veteran guy that's, you know, been there, done that, has time in Pat Meyer's system. So um, he's a little bit raw than, than what you would like ideally for a first-round pick.
3: Okay,
2: all right. Second round, Joy Porter Jr. Something you like? Something you have a, you have a bit of concern uh, with, Dave? Uh
3: physicality. Uh, I, I think that's the first thing that, that that really sticks out with 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 me uh, with him. And just you you can see that length in action, length and physicality slash length. I think both those stick out uh, when you turn turn on the tape with him. Uh, would 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 be the positives
2: okay anything you're concerned about worried about his game or the
3: grabbiness is that a word yeah, uh, uh, I, I think uh, he, he needs to watch those watch those hands once he gets on down the field there. And I think that's pretty evident by the uh, pass interference penalties, which, you know, he knew coming out of his next to last year, that's something that he had to work on. I believe he did. Uh, but, you know, uh, keeping yourself out of danger in in, in in some of those situations there.
2: Yeah, I think on the good things, Porter's ability to take. To, to do two things, to take away the quick game, the three-step game, the slants, are, are, is going to be fantastic. And I think what he can do to disrupt timing of the route with his length and press man ability, um, that's going to be a really good thing for your pass rush because so much of offenses today and passing offenses is is, is rhythm-based and timing-based. And if that's thrown off at all because of a slower release, because a cornerback's jamming you or pressing you, bumping you off your route, then that's gonna really, you know, make that quarterback hold on to the football with that extra half second. And, you know, when you got, you know, Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith rushing, those guys are gonna have a really good chance to to get home. So that's exciting about Porter Jr. The downside is he is pretty scheme specific. He's a you know man, press man kind of guy and off man zone coverage. He's not had as much experience and probably does not play as well. And you can't you can't press man the entire season. You know, you have to vary up coverages right. and in looks and it can't just be the same thing every single time because offenses will eventually counter that. So he's going to have to get more comfortable with the things he's not as uh, apt at doing to become a more well-rounded type of cornerback. Okay. All right. uh, Keanu Benton, something you like something you have some concern with.
3: Uh, Penetration ability. Uh, I don't know if that's a, if, if that's two words or one, but, uh, <laughs> uh, just the quickness and his ability to get in gaps and, and, uh, arm over, uh, uh, just that, that, that really, and that stuck out, you know, immediately when you turned on, I think that, uh, that, that, that senior ball practice tape with him, uh, and, and obviously through his, uh, Wisconsin tape as well too, but, uh, really quick, uh, like his ability to, to, to penetrate gaps.
2: OK, something there's some concern with
3: uh, balance, I think sometimes he can tend to get a little bit top heavy. And I think that gets him. Uh, he needs to uh, work at uh, keeping both feet on the ground more secure. I think he, he can get toppled over a little bit.
2: OK, yeah. What I like now, I'll just kind of uh, bang the drum again. Scheme fit, just a great scheme fit for what Pittsburgh's looking for. You know, height, weight, length, experience playing in a similar system uh Wisconsin, uh, as he will in Pittsburgh. So it just makes that projection, I think, a lot easier. The concern to me is, you know, what's the ceiling on Keanu Benton? What's the best thing you're going to get? I don't know if you're going to get this dominant, high-end type of player. I doubt he'll be the next Kim Hayward or Stephon it. Again, he might be that three to five second season guy, which is fine. And he can be a good run stuffer and be a pretty well-rounded type of guy. But I don't think the ceiling is, is crazy, crazy high with Keanu Benton. Okay. All right, Darnell Washington, third round pick. What do you like? Where's your concern? <laughs> I know what you like.
3: <laughs> how how long how long do we want to make this podcast here? Ah, uh, man, just a, uh, I hate to use physicality again, but I mean, this guy is just this guy's a load, man. uh, uh I mean, I, it, it's something to go through. Some of this, just the blocking aspect of him alone. Uh uh, mass is. Uh, can I use massiveness? You know, as, as something I like. You're creating
2: words in in your analysis today. Uh, b-
3: because I mean, even even out in uh, uh, you know, as, as a as a pass catcher, there the uh, the the re- the catch radius. You know how do you how do you not throw a completion to this guy unless maybe you throw it down to, uh, more towards his feet? I mean you can't miss this guy uh, with 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 the radius that he has and uh, just the overall physicality and and everything that goes along with him. I mean there are if you're an edge right now uh, in 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 you know that's got to play the Steelers here. Uh, it's it's not just a chip that you have to worry about. You have to worry about the whole boulder.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like
3: Cause that. he will put you on your butt in a heartbeat. I mean, you really, if you, if he's on the end of the line of scrimmage here, uh, you really have to have your head on the swivel about maybe getting uh, chipped off uh, because he can do that. And then, you know, him on the move, uh it as, as a run blocker once again it, like i could go on and on about the positives uh with this guy and you know uh uh pete prisco came out with his draft grades and you know the only reason I bring up his name is because he's been around the industry for so long as a writer and 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 all like that. Uh how how do you how do you turn the Steelers' worst pick being Darnell Washington? And I think he tried to frame it in the in the fact that what was it? Just not not an, you
2: know, not sudden and the injury concern. Oh, yeah. What,
3: whatever. Give me that risk all day long. Not not seeing his medicals, of course. And I know Pete has seen his medicals as well either here. But give give me that risk all day long where the Steelers got him in the third round there uh, for sure.
2: All right. Well, after your cold shower, if you could try to find one thing you have some concern with on Darnell Washington, what do you have?
3: Man, I, I, I I guess I'd have to, uh, tack on to wondering about the injury concerns more than anything. I mean, there's, I don't know if I can go through and man,
2: here's my concern because he
3: is what he is, is a route runner. But I mean, for a guy that size, he can still move down the field, you know, right. Uh, Go, go ahead. Uh, uh. Pick out, pick out the negative. Beat the bad guy here.
2: <laughs> well, again, I do like the pick, and I, I certainly think Pete Prisco's wrong to say it's the Steelers' worst pick. I think that's a crazy thought to have, especially to get him at ninety-three. But I, I do agree that you know he's not the super fluid, easy tight mover the way that some other top tight ends class uh, tight ends in this class were and are. And with the speed of the NFL game being a bit faster, he might be a bit more limited in the routes that he can run and and how effective he'll be in the pass game because he's not. He is not always as freaky on tape as he was the way that he tested. And, and some of the highlights that you see consistently down to down, is he that freaky type of guy, you know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, he's not Kyle Pitts or, you know, somebody like that. So, and he's not supposed to be, I understand that. But if making me kind of choose one thing, he's not this like really easy mover in the past game. That's going to be a consistently, you know, can run the whole route tree for a tight end type of guy.
3: Can you imagine using this guy in split, split zone? Oh, my
2: God. It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> Although him trying to cut, he's going to have to get real low. Like yeah. It's, it's going to be a challenge for him maybe, maybe to go down, but he can you know kick out no problem.
3: Because you're going to have to cut him uh, if you're defending that.
2: Oh, yeah. Defenders are going to go low. They're going to TJ it where they're going to go low on him to take out his knees just to to absorb the blocks. So they're not going to kind of get washed. They're going to just try to kind of create a pile up there to make it harder for the back to cut back. All right. But what I like, though, is just that he is like the most unique player in this class, like the body type, the build, what he can do in the run game. You just don't see this combination of stuff, what he can offer in the pass game. I mean, there is there is nobody really like Thurno Washington, even relative to their position in this entire class. Like, maybe it's him and Anthony Richardson. It's like the two most unique builds and player types in, in this entire class. And one guy goes fourth overall, the next, you know, hopefully, you know, franchise quarterback of the Colts and Richardson. And then you get Washington at 93 is 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 a pretty crazy steal for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
3: Look, I I didn't think he would land in Pittsburgh. I mean, I I like I like that they were looking at him. I like the, the thought of him being in Pittsburgh uh, uh, via the draft, I, I never thought we would get to this point, though, because kind of where obviously where he was projected and, and other needs the team had. But I, I did make sure that I said that I certainly would buy a ticket to to see it. And uh, here we are. So uh, uh, sign me up to be in front of the TV on every Sunday.
2: Yeah, you have front row seats to that show. Uh, that show for sure, Dave. So you're, I know you're excited about that one. I'm excited about that one as well. All right, fourth round, Nick Herbig. One thing you like, and we'll try to keep the thing we don't like short because we know that we know what that one thing is. But but your thoughts on Herbig?
3: Uh, i athlet- will go back to athleticism again. I mean, the get off is great. I mean, you you can visibly see that get off is strong. Uh, he, he can, he can win around the edge. He can duck back inside. He can move out in space when they, when they, when they did drop him off the ball, he seems to be fluid in that area, uh, every for, for once again, going and, and I, I did this just to see people say, well, you're taking a shot at him by stacking up the RAS against him and, uh, uh, uh,
2: Nolan Smith, I think yeah, N- Nolan Smith
3: I, 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 out of Georgia. I only did that because there was so much talk about both those guys in the size uh related to the NFL level. I wanted to see how close he actually measures up. Yeah, I know one's the first and one's the uh, fourth and all like that. It wasn't to to disparage uh Herbick as much as it was to see how close he was uh uh to to uh, to Nolan there. Uh quite honestly. I think when you look at the tape related to Herbig versus versus his his actual RAS score, I would have bet that his RAS, RAS score would have came in even higher. Well,
2: he because- got knocked for the size. Right. I, think, I think the testing, the numbers were even better. He just got pushed down because of the the lack of size.
3: Right. So, uh, I mean, he, the, the athleticism is certainly there as is the want to, and uh, you know, there, there are a lot of plus valuables character, uh, you, know, a, 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 you know, football smarts, I think sticks out uh, with, with him as well too. Uh, but I mean, I think the, ath- the overall athleticism related to get off and moving space and all, all ability to, to, to get around the edge. I think that really sticks out on tape with him.
2: And you're concerned about him, which I think I already know the answer to, link, but length, link, length,
3: length, link, length, length.
2: Yeah, mine as well. So I'll keep that short because I don't want to beat a dead horse. But the concern about the arm length to play on the edge of 31 and a quarter. What I do like, though, are all the things you mentioned. I think he could be, I think he will be an impact special teams player. Like day one, he could lead the team in special teams tackles as a rookie, like his intensity, his hand use, ability to, to block, shed, and stay clean in the coverage game. Uh, motor, tackling ability, closing speed. I think he's going to be a real special teams demon at worst out of the gate. And, and that's really exciting. I agree. All right, moving on now for that long break between the fourth and seventh rounds to Corey Trice Jr. at 241. Your favorite thing about him and one concern that you have?
3: Boy, just press, 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 press. I mean, that guy at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's going to be hard to get around. He get an he he if he if he gets the ability to jam you and knock you off the route, that can disrupt the whole play.
2: I'm with you there, character. I think his work ethic, his maturity, his discipline. I think this is a really strong, like high character class. There is not anybody that you're going to be up late at night worried about the 2 a.m. phone call. And that's again tracks with what Kevin Colbert did and what Omar Khan is doing. But a really high character guy, and for a seventh round pick who's going to come in. Work with, of course, the talent that he has is going to give him the best shot to become the best player that he can be.
3: As far as uh, negatives with him, I I think it. I I think the prime concern might be related. You know, kind of going back to kind of what we said about Darnell. You know, the the medicals. I I think overall, Uh, I'm interested to see. Now we got Owen Straley doing more in depth on the cornerbacks and and doing film rooms on on those guys. uh, Press and 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 man zone and stuff like that and all. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll be looking closely at his more detailed study. Unfortunately. There's not a lot of all 22 uh, Purdue tape, you know, floating around right now here. But Mm -hmm. uh, I would say just initial concern, uh, a general overall concern would be related to maybe the medicals,
2: especially to see that guy fall that far, like almost fell out of the draft. I mean, how bad is the medical for every single team to consistently pass on him throughout day three when he knew the tape was a whole lot better than, you know, later day three uh value so so that's a concern but i would just say something different you know is he really going to be a corner is he going to go back to safety is the long speed there is the fluidity there um can he play in some of the off stuff i mean again i think at some point he's got a he's got a shot to go back to safety and so how much pain will you have at him at corner before you kind of decide okay let's go back to safety you may have some negative outcomes along the way that uh, determine that so just position fit. What actually is he is my uh, my concern with Corey Trice uh, Jr.
3: Somebody pointed this out in my comments here. With 95 going to Benton, what does that mean for Wormley? That's mm, gonna,
2: it's the whole Benny Snell thing. Yeah. Although, I mean, just Wormley, like, we knew if he was going to come back, it was still going to be a couple of months right. like before yeah. training camp. And even then, would he be ready? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point there on, on Chris Wormley. All right. The last pick there, Spencer Anderson. Guard, center, lineman—not really sure what to call them, but but is it something you like, something you don't like. Footwork. Is that something you like or something you don't like? I like. Okay, gotcha. You, yeah, you said that you had good good feet to play tackle, maybe. Yeah,
3: some? I mean, it looked it looked like uh, he's he's got the he's got the the, the footwork to play uh, obviously any of the positions there. I I think that's what in the in the limited amount of stuff that I've seen since he since his selection, I think that's the thing that sticks out to me the most is is quality footwork.
2: And something you're not a big fan of
3: arm length. And I think that's what probably, uh, it's thir- 32, I think, uh, now look, I haven't gone deep into his tape and I'm not going to be able to for, for probably another, another couple weeks or so here. But, uh, uh, I think that might be one thing that kind of, kind of, kind of dinged him overall that just, you know, some, some just minor technical stuff that you can pick up off of I think he does rise up a little bit quick out of out and gets a little upright there so uh, I haven't I haven't studied him all that much Uh, and I've I've most mainly looked for positives on the initial stuff that I've, I've I've worked through already there so I would say the the footwork and and you know You know the technical flaws that you normally see with these guys coming Mm -hmm. coming out too quick, uh, you know, up 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 upright, and then probably the arm length probably got him dinged a little bit.
2: Yeah, what I like, and I'm with you. I still have to do a deep dive on Spencer Anderson, but what I like is the versatility, obviously. Playing multiple spots, increase your value, you know, offer more to this team as as a seventh round guy to try to make it, to try to hang around. You know, being able to wear all those hats is going to be something that's going to give him an inside track to push for a final roster spot or at the least a practice squad spot. So that's an obvious one to say, but something still notable nonetheless and probably a big reason why he was the pick in the seventh round. In terms of the concern, I would just say, you know, run blocking. He does not seem to be the the butt kicker in the run game that Pittsburgh's trying to build right now when you have guys that can really get movement up front. It seems like to read Josh Carney's report that he's more of um, a pass protector and somebody that does not create as much movement in the run game. And so that might be tough to to jive in Pittsburgh that's trying to really build a, a heavy wall of run blockers. Okay. All right, Dave. So that's our review on the draft class. So, um, any other final thoughts? As I'm seeing a report here about a tackle coming to Steelers uh-huh. rookie minicamp, and hey, a cheaty, cheaty a koki from the XFL Rahamas. I'm all for cheaties coming to Pittsburgh.
3: Yeah, you like you uh, bring you all the cheaties.
2: <laughs> I, I remember him a little bit. He's uh, I think from a smaller school. I want to say maybe like East Tennessee State. That, that's not it, but it's I want to say it's something like that. So. He, he was in the NFL, I think, for, for a brief time in a camp somewhere. And so there's your uh, XFL tackle.
3: All right. Uh, probably another one or two on the way as well, too, when it comes to mm-hmm. tackles here. Uh, so I think we've not knocked out the, the bulk of what we wanted to get to today, haven't we?
0: Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official health care partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or
2: agents of this hospital. Yeah, if there's any read emails, we can get to those and close out today's show.
3: All right, let me sort this on out here real, real quick here. Jonathan Mason says, do y'all think the lack of social media content with the drafted players this year is odd? He says, haven't seen any videos of Tomlin making the call. No numbers announced, players checking out the city, press conferences, etc." Maybe it's because they put emphasis on the standard series now, but it just feels like we used to get a lot more content from John. I, I don't, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to, I mean, the numbers came out today and the timing of that seems about right. Uh, it, I don't, maybe there's some, some dirty words that they have to cut out of the call. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to best answer this. I mean, I, I think even Alex says, release the calls, you know, <laughs> uh, I will probably see some, and maybe this is related to kind of trying to keep it more for their video series of standard, right? Uh, and 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 all like that. I, I, Jonathan, I don't know what to tell you there, buddy. I really don't.
2: Yeah, it may, it may be for that. I don't know. Uh, maybe there's some big video they're putting together that takes some time, but hopefully soon because they are. I want to know what the, the call was to Joey Porter Jr. when that conversation was like, do you think he pulled the James Conner? We're not going to pay you for your gas money, like that whole thing. Like, I wonder if that was the uh, the conversation. Yeah, but I, I cannot wait to hear whatever he said to uh, the Porter's kid.
3: Uh, Caleb writes in, thanks for the phenomenal job during the draft. What do you guys think about the possum? About possibility of moving Pat Pete to safety, he still has the ability to cover in space, space and has the IQ and the ball hockey skills to play there. I see him more of an asset there than liability at man to man at cornerback, or at least uh, on, on opposing passing guys. We've talked about, you know, look, I you're going to see some rotations. The ability what Pat Pat Patrick Peterson brings you to this team is, I think, to be a lot more versatile in. Pre-snap, post snap rotations. Uh uh inverted stuff, uh stuff with, with Minka diving down as the robber and you know, all that you can get very, very creative with this with a guy like Pat Patrick Peterson. I don't think you're gonna see a full time move, at least not this year, to safety. And if he did play safety anyway, you wouldn't you I mean, he's kinda in that gap of, of which safety position would he fit best, even.
2: Yeah, I mean
3: because normally a you question. like your free safeties to be able to get on the hoof a little bit better. Right.
2: Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I think we're going to see the rotations there. I don't know if he's going to play like full time, you know, pre-snap safety stuff. So we'll see. I think they're going to move him around and, and I'll, I'll be watching for it pretty closely in, in training camp.
3: I think the biggest question related to him maybe is, are they legitimately looking at him as maybe a, 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 a nickel option?
2: Yeah. I mean, could he play in the slot? He's never done it before. I mean, it just, it's such a projection. So I don't know. We'll, see.
3: Uh, we'll, we'll be watching for that for sure. Uh, Chuck writes in great draft coverage by the entire Depot staff. Y'all took uh, some of the surprise out of who the Steelers would take. He says, please compare and contrast Keanu Benton and Isaiah Loudermilk, both from uh, Wisconsin. What would you expect different from Benton? Uh, If he progresses towards his ceiling pass rush ability comes to mind, first and foremost, when it comes to the differences between Benton and Uh, uh, Lottermilk, Lottermilk, more robotic, uh, Benton, more penetrator, uh, first and foremost, and they are a little bit different build overall anyway slightly, you know, oh, yeah. a little bit more thickness to Benton than than than, than obviously Louder Milk uh is uh louder milk a little bit longer obviously uh as far as height goes there. Uh but you know first and foremost the pass rush ability I think is the number one difference here.
2: Yeah, I think they're pretty different players. I mean I know that Benton had talked about you know milk kind of being a mentor and somebody that helped him at Wisconsin when they were teammates, but I mean, the body type is different. Latimick was taller, did not have the length, you know, played more end. Benton played more nose tackle, um, pass rush, even run defense. I mean, they are, they are pretty different dudes in terms of their style and their build and their game.
3: All right, uh Craig Samson. Boy, this is long. Hey guys, fantastic draft coverage. Uh, we should set up a GoFundMe account for the Steelers Depot team to go relax in the Bahamas. Yeah, that that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh there. We we like, we appreciate the compliment though. We we enjoy what we do, and the grind is just part of it year round, because the NFL counter does not stop. He says, uh oh, they I'll take uh let's see ground and, I get their tradition is ground and pound, but uh but it's still old school with very athletic players coming out of college. It seems like the Steelers really need to incorporate much more pass heavy, explosive play system. He says, I watched the Bengals and the chiefs and the play calling is so exciting uh, than it is with the Steelers. And it's like, uh, wow, a four yard run. Can can he throw uh, a deep ball three to five times a game? Uh, what do you think? Uh, I guess he's looking at uh, the offensive ground and pound old school system. I think this is, uh, I think what you've got, what they're going to try to do, hope that they're going to try to do is just build your offense around your strengths and what you think you can do uh, here. Uh, I think by them being more uh, playing bully ball, as, as, as Alex likes to call it, I hope the result of that early on is, is in the season is not only success there, but you get teams to start having to put put that safety down low. And by putting that safety down low, you're going to open up more potential possibility for down to play field uh, 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 passing game or over um, middle potentially you know uh, slant more middle of the field stuff there. So I think the byproduct of this team. I guess going old school here. And look, I think you're going to see more emphasis around the league on running the football, right?
2: I think it it's going to depend team to team, but I think for Pittsburgh, the thought is we can't we can't try to build our team like the Chiefs or the Bills or the Bengals and expect to compete in that sense. Um, as much as we may like Kenny Pickett, we know that, you know, he's not gonna be the next Patrick Mahomes, or at least, you know, he's not gonna be that guy in twenty twenty three. So if we're gonna win, it's gotta be a different style of football, something counter to what we're seeing. Um, and that's gonna be, you know, ground control and and those types of things. Um, running the ball, keeping the opposing offense, keeping the homes off the field. is gonna be, you know, how Pittsburgh is gonna want to win. Again, not winning the 35-31 shootout, but winning games, you know, 20 to 17. Now, the offense must be better this year. They can't average 18.1 per, points per game, obviously, but they know they're not gonna be able to go toe for toe with the top scoring offenses in football. And so that's why you're seeing this team really Go the other way and say, we're going to become the best, you know, kind of running physical team as opposed to trying to match these teams that we can probably never really truly match.
3: Craig, I know you got a long email there. Try to bust it up if, if you want some of those other, you know, si- 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 send maybe one question in, in another email and, and and we'll get to it there. I want to try to get to as many of these as we can here. Bob Francis, uh, howdy, fellas. Amazing draft coverage is always best in the business post draft. What do you uh, what do each of you think is the biggest need on the roster? He says, I suspect slot corner is number one, but I'm wondering what you think about the running back depth. Uh, you guys have both said that this team is making no secret about their plans to build around a running game, but what if Najee gets hurt? Do you think Warren can be a full full game every down back? He says, I think uh, number three running back is a sneaky important role that is yet to be filled. He says, we have to guard against a Najee injury, especially if Warren can't be expelled. Okay, I see where He's going there. Uh, you yeah, I brought this up, I think, during a live stream the other day. There, you know, maybe people shouldn't sleep on uh 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 Master Teague. You know, uh I think that might potentially be, you know, the fact that he was hurt and uh, you know, uh Alex, you said he was having, you know, in a couple of days, he was having a good camp, right?
2: Yeah, yeah it was just a couple of days, but yeah, he was he was turning some heads.
3: I mean, what happens if that's a guy that can come in and, and, and be your Benny Snell and play on special teams, you know, uh, look, it's not absolutely mandatory. And I think I got another question in here about Anthony McFarland, So I'll, uh, I'll lump them all together here. Uh, you know, the thing about Anthony McFarlane is I, I think the sun really is setting on that. Uh, now he did have some bright spots last year and all, and, and ended up on the practice squad and all like that. And, and no number three doesn't absolutely have to play on special teams, but it sure would help if you could get on at least one of them as a returner or something like that. Uh, and you know, he's, he's, he's not as big of a back either. So that's, that's a strike against him. Uh, I I will say this, Bob Francis, it is something to pay attention to as we get on into the offseason here about who who has the inside shot or shots to end up being that number three. And it's way early here. We don't have a lot to go on, but I, I think Master Teague is a guy that maybe everybody should maybe see what progresses here with.
2: Yeah, right now the job is wide open. There's no clear favorite. McFarland has the experience, but does not really offer you anything on special teams and, and some kick return stuff. But he's not going to be the kick returner in Pittsburgh and can't really do anything else. So, yeah, I would say it's open. Especially if we kind of get the sense that Benny Snell's not coming back. Um, you got Teague. You have what are they going? Jason Huntley's there. McFarland. I missing and, any of the running backs? What do backs? you think
3: about? Warren what it, it God forbid something should happen to Najee uh how much can Warren handle
2: yeah it's a fair question I think you know if Najee went down for the season like you know week two then it's a different conversation but if there's like a couple weeks where Warren's gotta kind of be the guy and, and with a minor rotation behind him then yeah I think Warren has the the work ethic the conditioning um and he's you know he's a he's a squatty guy. He's not a tall guy, but like he's not small. Um, in terms of the he's pretty thick. So I think he can handle it for a couple of weeks.
3: All right, one last one here. We got to get out of here. Nicholas Go- uh, Gooden writes in, "Hey guys, hope your draft hangover is healing up nicely." Uh, I think I keep hearing from Yins and others is how. There are zero excuses for the offense this year and that they should put up more points due to having more experience and additional talent. Well, I don't disagree, he says, with that, but I really think the bigger issue with the offense is scheme. He says, I think we had more than enough talent last year to score 200 plus point or 220 plus points per game consistently, but that just wasn't what our offense was designed to do. We wanted zero turnovers, 20 20 play drives and splash plays on defense to win us the game. That's a recipe for eight to 10 win season with, uh, uh, with that, he says for, with first round playoff exits ex, at best, as Dave would say, not great, Bob. He says, I don't think it's just Matt, a Matt Canada issue either, either dating back th- through the. Randy uh, Fitner fit, fit years, I feel like the Steelers always play their best offense when they are down late in games and actually have to take risk and open it up. Bottom line, regardless of the players, I don't think we will see enough improvement on the scoreboard unless there are some significant changes with the offensive mindset. And I'm not confident that's coming. OK, fair fair assessment. We Look, the biggest question mark, I think, at this point, you know, is uh, what? what Matt Canada can get done with this offense at this point. You, you, you got a quarterback, but, but then again, you know, you can, I, I, to some degree now, and it's not excusing it. They were trying to protect the rookie quarterback as much as possible last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get all that, and that's all fair to say and try to but last year was the last context. Year. Yeah, the point is, this offense has to be better. You can't be 18 points per game and expect to, to consistently play, winning the football, or be the team that you want to be. So now that the offense knows who its quarterback is, second year in the system, you've added more talent. The offense is no longer this super young, green group trying to figure out who they want to be and how they're going to win and what their identity is. You know all those things, and you've made serious upgrades to that offense. Uh, in, in the off season, so at, at this point well it may be fair to say that some of these issues did exist before Matt Canada none of that really matters it's about producing now that's that's only thing this team will be judged by what they do in 2023 and at this point there is no time for excuses and it needs time the time is right now
3: and look even if the running game you know is triple better than what it was you know, going you know in the later later stages of last last season, there. How many explosive plays do you really think that's going to produce? I mean, you would hope to see an uptick in it, obviously, but are you really expecting the running game to really produce? And and make no mistake about it, in my opinion, <laughs> the NFL game is all about explosive plays uh, on, on on offense and converting in the red zone.
2: Right. Because and, and taking the ball away defensively,
3: right? Uh, because you just cannot cont- continually expect your team to go 75 yards down the field, game in, game out. Uh, uh, you, you just, I, I, any offense, period. That's why the explosive game element. So, there are going, uh, and look, we have to see uh, explosive plays increase. We have to see yards after the catch really increase uh, with with this offense. And the, and the way you're going to get those explosive plays, increase in explosive plays, and increase in yards after the catch is being able to complete the football down the field longer. And in, 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 in the throw short, run long category, you've got to get the, the ball to receivers in their hands in space.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, that's the name of the game and that's what Pittsburgh has to do. So yeah, is the run game gonna be this hyper explosive, the thing that's gonna like carry your entire offense in terms of the big plays? Probably not, but can it be the thing that keeps you on schedule on first down, converts in third and short, converts in the red zone and four minute offense, those kind of big time moments? That's gonna be, I think, what the offense is being built around from a run game perspective, doing all those all those little things, all those finishing things that will hopefully open up that big time pass game.
3: Hopefully the byproduct of running the football better overall, three times better, two and a half times better, whatever, uh, is the fact that it opens up more things in the passing game, which will allow for more explosive plays down the field, more throw short, run long uh, instances when, when it comes to yards after the catch.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there, Dave. So we'll see. But again, bottom line is no excuses. Pass doesn't matter. You we're in the hero now, and the hero now must be much, much better.
3: Uh, last one from uh, Football 3 here. He says, could you guys see Anthony McFarlane filling? This is the one that I uh, said, filling the running back three role. He says, I thought he played well in the limited action last year, and he provides the offense a skill set that is not filled by anyone else. I don't know. I mean, Jalen Warren can do some things, right? You know, that, that Anthony McFarlane, I wouldn't say that his skill set alone is is totally unique, right? would you
2: i mean McFarland is you know on paper faster and probably a bigger play potential guy but you know warren can can catch and you know he's got some bursts to his game so i those th- skill sets are different but yeah I, I see what you're saying
3: uh does the running back three have to have special team value thanks guys for all your content jay and buffalo does the running back three have to have a special team value
2: I guess it partially depends on what the plan is for Jalen Warren this year on special teams, because he did a lot of coverage work himself last year, but will they kind of ease off of that because of the value he's going to offer offensively and make sure that he's, you know, fresh and, and healthy. I mean, he's still probably going to play on special teams, uh, special teams a little bit, but you know, you wonder if they'll maybe ease off a little bit, but even still you're number three, yeah, he's got a, He's gonna be active, so you better contribute on on special teams. So I agree. You may you may not have to be a core guy, but you got to offer. You gotta well, at least get in one somewhere. phase. Yeah, and not just like kick returner. Unless you're gonna be a great kick returner, which McFarland is not. So, yeah, I mean, short answer, he's got to bring something to the right. table.
3: I I would agree with that. Okay, Alex. Uh... Made a lot like a Seinfeld episode today. Uh, made a lot out of podcast
2: nothing, about I. nothing. Dude. Yeah. Uh, what, what, but, which uh, which Seinfeld character? I am. I'm George. Are you Jerry? Who Would be who?
3: Nah, I would be.
2: I'm definitely George.
3: I I I, I probably got more Kramer to me.
2: Okay. Yeah, Uh, I get that.
3: uh, Overall, but... You did uh, burst
2: into my house at the start of the show, randomly.
3: (laughs) Okay, uh, good show today. We'll be back at it Friday. We'll see what we're talking about. Uh, uh, Maybe have... uh, you know, ha- have a full invite list. Who, who knows what we'll be talking about on Friday, but we'll be back doing it. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora, Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to com. Hit the donate button, upright, navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, com. Hit the ad-free button, uh, upright, navigational bar. Uh, Film rooms, you know, we got a lot of, it's post-strap, but we still got a lot of content going up on Steven's Depot as well too there. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for reading the site. And as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.
1: Fauquier County, find what you love.